Blog Talk Radio. today. Yes, today we're going to have another very interesting show. For those of you who listen with any regularity, you know we are on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and uh, many of you listen to the show in archive, some live, some in archive, and all is welcome, and all are welcome. I want to also remind you that every Tuesday night, at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time again, the television show, A Better World TV, is aired in Manhattan, where we have many, many viewers. And also, it is simulcast online at our website at www.abetterworld.tv, where you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter, which announces the shows, and I have a weekly blog there as well talking about uh, the matters of the week as well as on the Huffington Post and naturalnews.com. So please become part of a better world's community, growing community, and we're reaching out to help make a difference in the world. Obviously, it needs it, and the more of us who are paying close attention to that happening, the better it is. And on that note, I am totally delighted to introduce you all to our guest today, Karen Ramsey, who wrote a book called Creating Healthy Children Through Attachment, Parenting, and Raw Foods. So we're going to be spending the hour with her speaking about this incredibly important subject of how to grow healthy children. And there are ways, there are very concrete well-researched, scientifically-based, common-sense-based, and instinctively-based ways to raise children, how to feed them, and how to nurture them. And probably nothing that you hear will strike you as highly unusual, and all of it will be very practical and, as I said, very grounded. And uh, what Karen has been finding as she's been traveling across the country and recently at a conference in Russia where people were just hungry, no pun intended, for her information, she keeps finding that people really want this information. They're being nourished by this information. And as a result, she's showing up on radio and TV shows across the country 
and her book is getting more and more popular. Dr. Gabriel Cousins, the author of Spiritual Nutrition and the Rainbow Diet, and many others, a good friend of mine and colleague who's been on our show several times, is one of the many people who have endorsed Karen's book. It has a, um, an introduction, a foreword, by the well-known holistic psychiatrist, Dr. Serafina Corsello, who really spells out how we have gone down the wrong path with allopathic medicine, and how we really need to come back to the basics. The basics are eating real food, healthy food, live food, and how to nurture our children in a powerfully loving and uh, nourishing way. So, Karen, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me here. Absolutely. I'm so glad. Um, Let me just make sure I have everything properly hooked up here. Uh, Actually, let me say that again because I just engaged the microphone, yours. (laughs) So thanks again for being on the show, truly. We didn't hear you. Oh, okay. Thank you so much for having me, Mitchell, and I'm really excited to be here. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. You are really contributing to creating a better world, Karen, and that's really the profile of guests that we have on the show, people who are doing things in the world of health, nutrition, wellness, consciousness, environment, spirituality. It really, last week we had someone talking about cultivating peace who worked for uh, Amnesty International for 10 years, um, being on in Congress speaking to congressional committees. You know, this is the caliber of people, and you are among them doing the work that you're doing. Well, I'm certainly extremely passionate about this. And as soon as I finish something and it seems like I need some time to relax, I am out on my next venture trying to get the word out somewhere else. And um, I just basically can't stop. I feel that it's so important now more than ever before um, with a society that has more sickness than I ever remember uh, seeing as a child growing up. So, you know, today we're experiencing obesity and alarming amounts of of people, and we're seeing more diabetes and more asthma and allergies and uh, children with autism. In my state of New Jersey, one in 49 children are, are labeled with autism. Now, you cannot tell me that this is only genetics. Um, there's so many other things going on environmentally, and I do feel that food and what um, and what a child eats, what anybody eats, creates your whole body chemistry. And so, food is very important. Food, uh, you know, as the old uh, commercial on television about Wonder Bread building the body in twelve main ways. It's very funny. Of course, we know that Wonder Bread does not do that. But we do know that food builds bodies. So what kind of body do you want? The Pillsbury Doughboy? Or do you want a body that is based on the kind of food that, for instance, cows who are so strong, bulls, horses, look at those bodies. And what do they eat? Cud. Mm -hmm. All those animals. 
All those animals are raw plant vegetarians. Exactly. And so you can grow big, beautiful muscles on this rich, nourishing plant food eaten fresh. And so that's why I recommend for people to eat as much of it as they can. There's no point for stress. All that I go out and tell people is that to keep adding it. Keep adding it to your diet and lifestyle, and that way you're increasing it, so you're decreasing a lot of the processed and refined foods and the animal foods, which tax the body, hamper the digestion. Tax the environment also. In exactly. Fact, there is more methane, a greenhouse gas, generated from cattle farming, uh, growing essentially beef for uh, consumption than actually from transportation generated or originated um, fossil fuel-based carbon emissions. That's how serious it really is, and people just don't want to, pardon the expression, digest it. Just give us a quick idea, really, Karen, about how you personally got involved in this entire inquiry and what turned you around. Um, well, as a young child, um, I had my grandmother living with us frequently, and um, she told me her story many times. But of course, I I grew love up old stories from grandmothers. Well, I grew up in the 1960s and um, hello. The dial tone. Okay. We'll take care of that little thing quickly. Um, So I grew up in the 1950s and 60s, and um, I had my grandmother who um, had healed from asthma and emphysema in the early 1920s after reading a book called The Mucusless Diet Healing System by Arnold Eric, yes. And so um, she was hospitalized at the time, and the doctors had given her only a few months to live. They didn't have the inhaler and medications at that time. And... uh, she was very scared. Um, she was a single mom. My father was only four years old, and she decided to listen to what was being said by Arnold Arid in his book, and she became a vegetarian, then she became a vegan, and then she moved to a diet that was very high in living plant foods. And I grew up with her always telling me, eat fruits and vegetables uncooked. That is the food for man. Foods that are um, from animals are cruel, and we are harming ourselves, and we're also harming the animals by doing that. And and much later, um, I heard uh, Dr. Gabriel Cousins, who you were talking about, um, I heard him say that when you eat um, an animal or something from that animal, that you take in the soul of that being and the fear of that being when that creature was killed. And so that really spoke to me also. That's Um, a very good point. In fact, that's really one of the main reasons that uh, ancient religions like Judaism, our religion of birth, and Islam also, 
and other religions have their own unique respective ways of the laws of kashrut, of the way you kill an animal for consumption is very specific to reduce the fear component in the, in the body, mind, and soul of the animal. But nonetheless, there's still going to be fear, and there's still the fact of killing. That's right. That's right. That's so my grandmother became a vegetarian um, because of the fact that she wanted to be positive in in her environment, and she wanted to heal herself, and she went to this vegan diet, high in raw living plant foods, and she healed herself in under a year from asthma and emphysema. Now, much later, my own child, my second child, um, and, and just know that I was raised, my mother felt that we could not get enough protein as vegetarians, nonetheless raw food vegetarians. Right. So she she felt that she could not raise us on any kind of a vegetarian diet, even though she had promised my father. How do you answer the B12 question, by the way, Karen? Um, well, I really think that, you know, it depends on the food that we're eating, if we're getting B12 in our food. By the way, folks, the B12 question is really pivoting on this, mm -hmm. that notion that vegetarians do not get uh, sufficient, if any, B12 from a plant-based diet, that one would need to resort to animal foods in order to get that. But this has been refuted. I just wanted to know what you knew right. about this for a um, well, I think that if we're eating a lot of our food locally and we're getting our food the way it, it comes in nature, either in our garden or from a local organic farmer, or we're going wild edible foraging in the woods and we know what we're looking for and we find food that we can eat that hasn't even been farmed, that stuff's loaded with B12. Um, but many of us... Everything comes full circle, isn't it? We, we started out foraging, then we go into and we forage into craft foods and processed yeah, foods and exactly. GMOs, and now we're back to foraging again. <laughs> we're going full circle. So, um, you know, those foods, I think, can bring plenty of B12, but especially those of us who live in northern climates, are not able to do that all year. And so in the wintertime, we're getting a lot of our food imported. We're also, a lot of us are washing everything so thoroughly that we wash off any possibility of getting any vitamin B12. And so a lot of the recent research... Oh, so you're saying that from the soil, it yes. would be on the That's where the cows the get it from. The cows get it from the grass that they're eating. It's not in their body. Oh, no, certainly it's external. Yeah. Exactly, but you're right. saying it's even it's not internal to the plant, it's external. Yes, I mean we have to consume the plant well, yes, to get exactly. that bacteria yeah. and so But I, I was wondering uh -huh. if it was the equivalent of uh some people peel uh carrots when there's right. so much or apples for that matter. But oh, there's so, so much nutrition in the peel on the, uh, in the skin. On the skin. Definitely. So, yeah. Definitely. And so, um, you know, I do believe that today that, um, you know, we are seeing a lot of deficiencies all across the board, by the way. It's not only raw foodists and vegans and vegetarians or, um, you know, it's also um, people who eat meat 
are having, a, there's a lot of B12 deficiency for everybody. So even the people who, you know, the um, experts who were researching and saying previously that we didn't need to take B12 supplementation have now turned it around and said that we all need to take B12 because it's not a good thing to have a B12 deficiency. It can be irreversible. It can lead to nerve damage, and we just don't want to go down that road. No. So I would suggest... Um, if you want to see if you have a B12 deficiency, to get an MMA test. And this test is the best one. It's a urine test. And it will tell you if you um, need to take a B12 supplementation. And if you do, then the best form of supplementation is methylcobalamin. The active form is either methylcobalamin or cyanocobalamin, and um, I would not even want a tiny little bit of cyanide um, in a supplement. So methylcobalamin is the supplement to take for B12. Oh, very helpful. Great, mm -hmm. great, great. Yeah. But so I was also talking about um, that from the experience of my grandmother, um, I was later able, even though I even though I wasn't raised as a vegetarian, I did become a vegetarian when I was 17 on my own, and that was because my father and my grandmother took every little creature outside in a tissue. <laughs> they never killed wow. any creature, and my mother was running around the house uh, swatting all the bugs with a fly swatter. And so I saw this very different way of interacting with the creatures who we share this planet with. Nature, yes. And I, still, I really began to love the way that my father and my grandmother interacted with other creatures, and that was beautiful. And so I became a vegetarian. I happened to be a junk food vegetarian, and for many years I was sick, and I had cystic acne all over my face and back. And I went to dermatologists and got hydrocortisone shots in my face. So I wasn't eating healthy still. You can be a very sick vegetarian, and that's what I was. It wasn't Fried healthy. Foods. Oh, yeah, all that, all As you that. you said before, potato chips. Right. My, my diet was highly processed foods. And it wasn't until I had my second child that I realized how important it is to eat healthy, to eat healthy vegan food. And that's when um, my son became sick with asthma and chronic ear infections and multiple food allergies. And after three years of trying allopathic medicine and other alternative therapies that weren't helping, that's when I realized I really needed to look at what my grandmother was doing that healed her. And so I found a group in Connecticut called Natural Hygiene, Inc., and that led me to a group in Manhattan called Coalition on Health Reeducation. And um, I became um, a raw food person. <laughs> and it was amazing. And my skin healed in about three months. And I was having digestive problems. I had irritable bowel syndrome, and that just went away. And my son, after 11 months of green juicing and fruit and uh, vegetables, big salads, um, after 11 months, he was completely healed. There was not a drip coming out of his nose, the asthma, the wheezing, everything gone. And it spoke to me. 
it was so dramatic and so life-changing. And I saw my son turn into a happy child who could just go outside and play and run around and not have to worry about any kind of asthma. That's beautiful. We are speaking with the author of Creating Healthy Children Through Attachment Parenting and Raw Foods, Karen Ramsey, who is based in the tri-state area, but she's been traveling across the country and even recently to Russia to educate parents who are hungry for this kind of information about how to help their uh, children be healthy through healthy eating. But there's a whole other part to your work, Karen, and that is, in fact, before we go into that, let's give your website. Okay, the website is www.superhealthychildren.com. And Super Healthy Children is also the title of my YouTube channel. So I hope you'll watch all the videos that I'm getting out there. Absolutely. It's so important. And uh, using media as a way of broadcasting uh, this kind of information and education is just invaluable. I hope many people listen to this radio show over and over again. It's an easy link to come and hear about these good recommendations. The other part of what you teach when you go around teaching is this whole idea of attachment parenting. Speak a little bit about that, would you? Attachment parenting means following the needs of the child instead of the child following the needs of the adult. Um, When children come into this world, they do not know what it's all about. They need, especially at the beginning, they need the mother to be fully there and the mother to be present in the life of her child. Um, Right from the very beginning, the child after birth should be put up against the mother's breast to breastfeed. Breastfeeding is the only food for the human being. There is no other food. Human infant. That's right. That's right. And uh, although I personally agree with you, I think mm-hmm. it's great for adults to have mother's milk. <laughs> and <laughs> and so, um, if you look out to nature, you'll see that there's no other species taking the milk of a different species. Only humans. And so why is that, that that makes sense to people to take the milk of another animal? <laughs> That's such a good point. Yeah, it never made sense to me. And so... Unless we all want to grow up and be cows. Exactly, and that's what's happening. <laughs> exactly. That's become, what's happening. We become bovine. That's right. We are turning... This whole obese population is the result of... And I saw it recently in on the front page of a major New Jersey newspaper, a big um, head title that said, uh, Cow Milk Formula Creates Obesity. And I bring that to my talks, and I show people this is what is the cause of obesity. And it starts young. one of the causes. Yeah, it is. one of the prime ones. If we really want to get into the Mm -hmm. mix, we'll be looking at processed foods, the use of sugars, Mm -hmm. high fructose corn syrup, um, you know, of course, the denuded Mm -hmm. uh, white sugar, 
products that are all over the place. That's right. They're embedded in virtually mm-hmm. every single food, and they've, they're allowed to call it by different names, mm-hmm. processed food of every sort, microwave food, GMO food that doesn't need to be labeled, that I've had Jeffrey Smith on the show a number of times talking about the uh, importance of labeling and the deleterious effects that have been proven in laboratories of GMO foods. It's a horror show what has happened to our food supply, and it's not getting better. How do you deal with that? You know, I believe Because you're educating a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I believe that we need to create support for our children, and that's the only thing that's going to do it. Um, And I'll give you some examples. I do a class called Raw Food Fund for Families, and this is not only about kids. The information in my book is just as much for adults as it is for children because the information is for parents who are adults. So this is for everybody. And what I do is I bring families together with their children, and we create nourishing food together. I mean, the simplest fast food could be grabbing an apple or serving a big bowl of colorful organic berries. Um, and then creating simple recipes. I create simple recipes for children that are no more than like a few ingredients. Such as what? That children could create themselves at home. Um, such as, um, like we do a taco filling. And inside the, the taco, well, the, the, the outside, the holder of the taco filling would be a romaine lettuce leaf. So I use large romaine lettuce leaves. And then in the food processor, and this is a one-pot meal, not cooked, um, I soak almonds the night before. It's much better to soak them for easier digestion. So you soak about um, a half a cup, um, no, actually more than that, about a cup of almonds the night before, or slightly less because you want about a cup the next day, and they do increase when you soak them. So, slight, you know, maybe three-quarters cup of almonds um, covered with water, and then the next day you pour out the water and you put the almonds into a food processor and you process them until they're pretty smooth. And then you can put in a couple of slices of chopped red onion and some... Uh, soaked about a quarter cup of soaked sun-dried tomato and half a cup of lemon juice from a lemon that you've juiced. This is sounding really good. Yeah, and then you put in some mild seasonings um, like um, a teaspoon of coriander, a teaspoon of paprika, and a teaspoon of cumin. This is delicious. It does not even need any salt at oh, all. Man. You could if you really wanted extra, you know, a little extra a little, zip. Yeah. You know, but for kids, no, not for you kids. Taco. Right. For myself, yeah. those other milder spices do just fine. Okay. But, you know, some adults might like a little bit of that extra yeah. cayenne if they want. Um, and instead of the coriander, you could even put in chopped fresh cilantro, which is a wonderful um, healthy food. It's a detoxifier of heavy metals, and it's just you know all around all around great to have in the diet. So wherever I can use fresh, I'll always use fresh. 
And you just process all this in the food processor, and you come out with this amazing taco filling. And it literally takes three minutes. I mean, you've already got the soaked almonds and the soaked sun-dried tomatoes prepared and the lemon juice squeezed. And, you know, the whole recipe maybe is 10 minutes. And that's a meal. And, you know, I found that my kids love that. How do you find them, and how do you find, as you go around lecturing, Karen, people respond to the habits that they have of having a meat-based diet Mm -hmm. and making the conversion over to vegetarian or vegan or, you know, raw food? Right. That's the hardest part. Um, And just recently I had, um, working for me, I had an intern from Ramapo College of New Jersey. Um, She's been with me the entire summer. Lovely girl. And um, just recently she wrote a blurb about her transition to becoming a vegetarian. So she came to me as a meat eater and somebody who ate highly processed foods. She frequently had bronchitis. Um, She had weight that she wants to lose. And um, she came to some of my talks and, um, you know, was helping me out at those talks and and got to hear everything I had to say. And um, then she read, which was on my... uh, one of my tables in my living room, she picked up the China study and she read that and that oh, was wow. like totally mind blowing for her. Just in the film uh, yeah. uh Force Over Knives. Yes. Yes. And so Which if, if you have mm-hmm. not seen folks, do see it. Forks over knives. It's it's available pretty much anywhere. And so this was so inspiring for her, um the information she got out of that book, and then coming to my classes and hearing what really happens in the animal, in in the, you know, murder industry um, and slaughterhouses and what what really creates health, the foods that are nourishing, that create truly healthy children physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually on all levels. And she wanted that for herself. And so she wrote this blurb. I have it up on my blog on superhealthychildren.com. I posted it to Facebook. And um, I'm getting so many responses um, from people saying, yes, it really was difficult initially, but once you make the change, you really cannot go back and it becomes so much easier as you continue because there's so many wonderful dishes that you can make and your taste buds change you there truly is a change in your whole body chemistry and you learn to love the taste of the food the way it is the natural food. You'll go into a market, and like I'll, I'll go into a market and I'll see romaine lettuce, and I will have cravings for romaine lettuce. I just will not be able to wait to eat romaine lettuce. So, you know, you just really have to be patient and loving with yourself. And if you end up, um, you know, going back, then you just go forward again. Yeah. There's no mistakes here. It's a funny thing. It doesn't matter how much time you, times you fall off the horse, but rather how many times you get back on. Exactly. 
We are speaking with Karen Ramsey on A Better World Radio with Mitchell J. Rubin. She is the author of Creating Healthy Children Through Attachment Parenting and Raw Foods. It's a true holistic approach to healthy eating and healthy parenting. That is how to teach children how to eat what you could say nature destined us to eat and prepared us to eat, and how to love your child, how to breastfeed your child. One of the interesting chapters in your book, Karen, is about the um, the love bed, the family bed. Talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that, would you? Okay. Yes, and that is definitely a big part of my attachment parenting chapter in the book. Um, because the family bed is so vital to the child's emotional health because when you when you give birth to this child and the child comes into the world, then you put the child in a crib, you're pushing that child away. You're separating yourself you're from that child. That's right, down the hall to scream it out. And how secure is that child going to feel? The child needs to sleep with the parents. And it's not difficult. Parents put futons all over the floor or they get a king-size bed. There's so many different ways to do it. And sleeping with your child creates a child who's happy. It's um, Most often it's easier for the child to go to sleep because the child feels relaxed. The child feels loved and centered. And that's what we want. We and want it's family, mm-hmm. which is what that is about. That's right. It builds the family values. It does. And for people who think that they're never going to be able to resume their sexual relationship, that is very far from the truth. Um, I've known parents who have been very creative. There's other times when the baby takes a nap or even when the baby falls asleep at night that parents can be together. So it's not you know, an end of the, you know, the parent's relationship because they're sleeping with the child. And you just have to look at this like when you're ready to have your children, you want to do everything possible to build that child's self-esteem and to have that child grow up into a world where that child feels nurtured and good about himself or herself. That's what we want. We want this increase in the love hormone oxytocin. Which is what we'll be giving. Right out of my mouth. Yes. 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 We want oxytocin-rich children. That's right. That's Enriched. what we want. Right. And that's what our children like vitamin, need. Like a vitamin. Yes. And so they need to be carried and held for as long as they want and not put down. Um, if they ask to be put down, then they should be put down. Um, and I had one um, one woman I know who is um, who who held her third child for a good part of the third uh, of the whole first year and um many people felt that her child would not develop properly um even her chiropractor said that he was concerned about the child's torso development and in actuality when so you're saying that the child did not crawl well this child at a certain point did crawl because she asked to be put down um and many of these children by the way become more independent than most other children more quickly because they're getting their needs met. So many of them ask to be put down sooner than you would even think. And so when you say mm-hmm. carrying, no, that's a very good point. Mm-hmm. But when you say carrying, you mean absolutely instead of being on their own to explore the living room, for instance, 
on their knees? What I'm saying is is that the child should be carried as much as that child wants to be carried. Okay, got it. I didn't understand initially when um, one of my children would ask to be picked up and wanted to be held all the time. I didn't understand. But as time went on, I did understand. And I did a tremendous amount of carrying later on between my son's fourth and sixth years. Because I got it got fully, message, yeah. I got it fully that he right. needed it, and so um, I would just pick him up whenever he wanted to, and sometimes would be carrying him a lot, and he was a big boy at that point. And you know what? I was okay with it. That's what my child was asking for, and that's what my child needed. And I stopped listening to people who told me that I was having separation anxiety. I was not having separation anxiety. I was listening to my child's needs. And that's what I'm asking parents to do. I'm asking them to be present for their child and to be very, very tuned in with what their child wants, what their child's needs are. I guarantee you that you will not be spoiling your child. That's not the way people really spoil their children. They spoil their children by giving them all sorts of things they don't really need in place as a substitute for love and this kind of attention, touching kinesthetic attention and direct, pure, mental, loving attention. You know, the fact, Karen, is, and you and I both know this, that indigenous people across the planet for thousands of years know every single little dit and dot of what we're saying. Oh, that's right. They did not need it explained. They did not need it scientifically verified. Mm -hmm. This is how far away we have as a society come from the true heartbeat of the earth. We've missed it. We've missed it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I appreciate so much about what you're doing here is you're helping to restore that indigenous, instinctive body wisdom heart wisdom mm-hmm. back and you're bringing it back into the fold you're bringing us back into the fold and i think it's fabulous and yeah. i think this is why people are responding all over the planet to what you're saying it's not like it's new it's that you're passionate about it as you were saying before and you're speaking about it with such enthusiasm from a woman who has experienced the benefits in her own body, in her child's body, your second child, and you have now seen the benefits among so many others. In fact, if you would, speak, if, share a few stories, would you? Sure. With our audience about sure. what you've seen. Yes. Um, well, first of all, I also wanted to say that it's so true what you're saying, that um, many of us in our societies today all over the planet are um, needing to go back to our parental instincts. And many of us have lost those instincts, especially women who feel that after they give birth that they must go back to the workplace to compete with men. We need to go back to our priorities for our families. If you have chosen to have a child, then you must be present for that child. That's part of being a parent. And so we need to look at that. We need to think about if we need to work and make money, how we can be entrepreneurial, how we can work in our homes and still be present for our children. 
The indigenous people, many of these women, they gave birth, and they went right back out working in the fields, but they carried their babies with on them. On their back or That's by right. their breast. That's right. That's right. And so, um, yeah, so I will um, give you some stories here. Well, there's one woman who um, consulted with me quite recently, and um, her child had been labeled as autistic, um, and she was not feeling that this was appropriate, and she wanted to see what she could do to help her child. Appropriate as an inaccurate well, diagnosis. Well, that was part of it, um, because she felt that her child was very bright. She did see autistic tendencies. Um, he was um, certainly experiencing difficulty focusing and concentrating at school, and um, there were other things also that he was having problems with in his language development. Uh, and she contacted me, and she wanted to find out if raw foods could help her child, um, as well as attachment parenting. Um, if there was anything that she could do as far as her own parenting to her child. And this woman was highly motivated. She was willing to do anything that I recommended. Um, and so we talked a lot about, um, you know, what her son was doing at school. I had her fill out an entire questionnaire, a health questionnaire, and she did a food diary for me, um, even going back, you know, to a, a year um, about what she could remember, what her child was eating all along. And um, she had already changed to a vegetarian diet, um, but uh, she wanted to know more. She wanted to add more. And so um, she got my book, and she read my book, and she started to incorporate green smoothies. And so every morning... Her child would have a green smoothie, and um, and this right away took away a lot of processed food that the child was eating every day for breakfast. You know, those cereals that we see in the stores, even in the health food stores, they're all loaded with sugar, sugar and those cereals are also loaded with acrylamide as well. Um, acrylamide is? Acrylamide is a substance, a plastic-like coating on substances that come from complex carbohydrates, uh, cooked starches that are heated at very high temperatures. They form this plastic-like coating, which um, the University of Stockholm in Sweden in 2002 said that this acrylamide coating that develops is carcinogenic. And so these substances, these food substances on these highly cooked cereals um, are causing cancer. And so when we eat processed and refined foods that are all highly cooked and processed, this is what the current studies are showing is causing the cancers of today and will cause more Among of it. Among many other causes. Yes. And once this woman understood, she was so angry. She was angry at all of the programming that she watches on TV. And why are they showing that dairy and animal foods and highly processed foods are the norm and that they're healthy foods to eat? 
when the next commercial is all about these are the medicines that you'll need to take when you eat those foods. To counteract it. You know, you reminded me of a commercial I just saw the other day, Karen, which was a woman eating what looked like, a, uh, I guess, a Big Mac or something like that, this huge sandwich, hamburger, and she got indigestion. So she took one of these little antacid things, were just awful for you, and then it said, and then she could resume everything that she was doing before, and it showed her going back to eating the hamburger after taking the antacid. Oh my goodness! I don't believe this. They have everything wrapped up. You've got the um, the food industry and the pharmaceutical industry in the same bloody commercial. That's right. That's right. And the sad part of it is, is also that the Meat and Dairy Council and the processed food industry have a monopoly over the schools. And so it's like, where do you begin? And that's why I am just going. I'm just going, 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 going. I will teach whoever comes to my workshops about what we can do. And parents who want to go to their PTA, they can start, because very often it doesn't help to go to the cafeteria people at the school. Very often they'll say something like that it's too expensive they know? to buy fruits and vegetables, well, they're, right? They're, they're consulted to by dietitians who are in the pockets of Coca-Cola exactly. and the rest of the big boys. Yes. So you're going to get nowhere fast that way. That's right. But I want to bring some good news to you, which is I just found out uh, that there are several what are they called, CSAs, these um, mm -hmm. community-based agricultural projects. Yeah, that's Across the best. Across the country, I know of one I just heard about um, in Albuquerque where they uh, are growing food for the local schools. Wonderful. So they're just as we have our Union Square Farmer's Market here in the Big Apple, you know, so there are relationships developing between small regional school yes. systems and the local farm. It is it's happening. Fabulous. It's happening. And I have one parent who came to one of my Creating Healthy Children workshops, and her son had lots of allergies and could not eat the school food. So she really wanted to make changes, and she went to the PTA, and um, I told her, start a wellness committee. Because when you have numbers, the cafeteria people will listen to you. That's right. And that's what she did. She started a wellness committee, and then she went to the cafeteria people with the group. And the numbers spoke to the cafeteria people. And they started having a salad bar. They got a veggie burger on the menu. They started having fruit. They changed. They, they actually got rid of the vending machine. So, so many positive things started happening. And um, this woman who I was talking about earlier, um, her son, once he started doing green smoothies and she started adding more of this fresh wholesome plant food to the diet. Um, he started eating more fruit and having big salads um, and some nuts and seeds. Um, he started making tremendous gains at school, even to the point where all the teachers were noticing. And his grades went up. And the mother called me, and she is just so, so thrilled. Oh, that must feel so good to you. Yeah. So it's fantastic to see this. Um, I've also helped numerous children to heal from attention deficit disorder. Oh, do tell us. Yes, and what I do is I help them gradually 
to get off of the processed and refined foods. You know, sometimes you can't do it overnight. There's, of course not, but there is a direct link so obvious. Mm -hmm. I mean, as Hippocrates said, first do no harm, which no few doctors seem to pay attention to, who are, that is, those doctors who are wholly linked into the pharmaceutical uh, way of treatment. And he said, let food be thy medicine. Yes. So we're not supposed to listen to Hippocrates? That's <laughs> hypocritical. Yeah. You know. And that's another so. area that people have just gotten so far away from what their natural instincts are. And our natural instincts would be to eat food in its natural state. Fruits, green leafy vegetables, which are so important, sprouts, other vegetables, and smaller amounts of raw nuts and seeds. So we brought something up about the conversion as the issue of people who have the standard American diet who are also being fed by their televisions yes. about what food is what. On and on, they have habituated, and I think that's a really key word. Mm -hmm. So just as people have habituated the food, the, the meats and dairy and everything else, so you began to habituate only after some battle internally, by the way, you told mm -hmm. me on our television yeah. show, that you started to enjoy and smell out romaine lettuce. <laughs> and then you habituated romaine lettuce. That's an interesting mm -hmm. way to think about it. Yes, you can so change. Whatever you mm -hmm. just introduced to your body, you begin to habituate in that direction. So as my old Tai Chi teacher used to say, develop good habits. Because your body is going to habituate whatever it is you give it. And that your mind so as well. That is so true. I mean, when you start to habituate eating these fresh plant foods, you will, many people notice a change almost immediately um, in terms of a surge of energy and mental clarity. For me, um, I had increased energy and I had skin benefits because the cystic acne that I had for most of my life all of a sudden was gone. Even scarring on my face was gone. And this is something that many others have also experienced. And I've worked with children who have eczema. And so it's a combination of transitioning um, to healthier foods and also getting outside getting the child's feet in the soil electronically charged to the earth. We need to get outside. We need to breathe clean air. Vitamin we need to drink pure water. So, so much. People have gotten scared because, again, of television mm -hmm. as nonsense, of being afraid of their own sun, the, the source, the sun and the earth, the source of life itself, and people are afraid. How can you have a healthy and happy society? If people are afraid of the most natural right. things. Yes, and these are the reasons that we're experiencing all these ailments in this society. I mean, so many people are on medication. That's just not normal not to be normal. on medication. It's uh, right. a lot. Of, it's become to be thought of normal. No one will ever die of a Prozac deficit. Kind Believe me. You know. Believe so, me. So, or yeah. an aspirin deficit for that. <laughs> so, what did you do? For the eczema, was there a particular game plan? Well, dietarily. Yes, I mean. Um, or was it the basic 
dark leafy greens. Dark green leafy juice. greens are so fantastic. And, you know, the green juices, which I attribute to my son's healing of asthma, I think are really beneficial to um, any kind and of... And how many of these would a person have a day? And is it going to satisfy their appetite and their hunger? And let's say, I mean, we're dealing with a conversion issue. Mm-hmm. You had a son. Right. Yes, he suffered from these things. Yes, he was used to eating the standard American diet. Yes, his mother began to introduce him to green drinking and then uh, smoothies and juicing. But, okay, Ma, I'll have one a day. All right, I'll have one in the mm-hmm. afternoon. But I want something solid for dinner. Right. I mean, I'm sure you had to deal with it. Yes, of course. And so all those years that my kids were growing up and they were living this raw food lifestyle, I um, I created lots of recipes with them, and I got them active in the kitchen. At ages three and five, they were up on the counter preparing food with me. Right. And um, they were out in the garden. And sometimes a meal for them would be harvesting food in the garden, and I was fine with that. Um, I also did not force my kids to eat when they weren't hungry. Um, You can actually develop a food disorder by doing that. So if my child was outside playing basketball with the neighbors, um, I would not call them in for dinner. I would wait until my children were hungry and let them eat when they felt that they wanted to eat. And so I felt that that really benefited them. Um, And I have lots of tips in my book about how to um, create a real positive atmosphere in the home where children really want to eat these healthy foods. As we know in the supermarket, there's a sign-up that says that you should be eating at least nine fruits and vegetables a day. Most people don't. Um, And so in my home, we focused on that. And my kids did drink green juices, and when they didn't want green juices, I mean, green juices are very healing. They go directly into the bloodstream. The fiber has been removed, so there's no fiber. They're certainly not heavy. You wouldn't, not, you wouldn't uh, just have a child on green juices because a child has growth spurts, and a child is very physically active most often, at least you hope that they are. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and they would need more substantial food. And so especially when a child is going through growth spurts, that child most likely will want more of the heavier plant foods with more fat content such as avocado and nuts and, and soaked nuts and seeds. Coconuts. Coconuts, exactly. And, you know, and then you're also going to want to be incorporating with those foods the green leafy vegetables and sprouts. And um, and then fruit should be eaten at other times during the day by itself. Fruit doesn't combine well with um, with nuts, and especially sweet fruit doesn't combine well with nuts. But you know, if a child doesn't food combine properly, but they're eating all these healthy foods, I certainly wouldn't worry about it. You Thank know? you, God. <laughs> Yes, exactly. we certainly don't want to put that kind of pressure. Is there? I asked mm-hmm. about eczema. Is there something particular that you would recommend that would help to neutralize the inflammation and the puffing and all else? In other words, what what do you understand as the origin, the cause of eczema? Well, um, a lot of times it comes from stress, but it also can come from processed and refined foods. 
And so, you know, I recommend, you know, getting off of them or at least gradually decreasing them while while you're adding more of the plant foods. And I do believe that the green juices are going to be extremely beneficial for eczema um, because of the fact that they're so cleansing. Um, so I definitely recommend getting them into the diet and lots of green vegetables. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. We are speaking and just about wrapping up here with Karen Ramsey. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Really. I mean, this is just a wealth of information, and so many people can benefit from it. I'd love to see parents across the nation and across the planet, really, adopt these common sense ideas that you have so beautifully put forth in your book. And uh, Oh, thank you. You're so welcome. This is really good work. It really serves creating a better world. Well, that's why I think that people are so open to it. Um, and it's, it's growing, and I think that um, the raw food movement is growing. But I think that you also have to understand that when you go into a store and you see raw food that is not um, natural, fresh plant food, that's food that's packaged, you also need to reevaluate that. Um, because there are some people who are basically living on dehydrated packaged foods, and that's not healthy. Again, then we're going to process raw food. So when I say raw food, I'm talking about fresh plant food. That's what we want to be getting into our children's diets and lifestyles. What is your website? Superhealthychildren.com, and my YouTube channel is also Super Healthy Children. That's fabulous. That's super, is what I would really say. Karen Ramsey, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. Thank you so much for having me and for the wonderful work that you're doing out in the world. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. This is Mitchell J. Raven for Another World. Thanks so much for joining us again today. And go to our website, www.abetterworld.tv. Write to me at mjr at abetterworld.net, mjr at betterworld.net. Share your thoughts, feelings, and comments. Love your feedback. And I look forward to seeing you all next week.